So as mentioned, we're, we're going to be doing a, a little mini-series, only three weeks long, but I'm hoping that will set us up for this next ministry season that we're in. And in some ways, maybe like kind of a reset. I don't know about you, but summer is wonderful, but I can get out of the habit of having healthy habits. I get out of the kind of sink, and I think as some of us have school-aged children, get back in season, and maybe back to work, kind of did the vacation time. Now we're trying to kind of reset for a new season. I'm hoping this will help us kind of in the trajectory of where we're going, uh, not only this year as a church, but, but also for us here just individually. We're doing that. Now, when you, it's, the, the title, Habits, it's not really like very inspiring, is it? And, and yet, actually, habits, I, I, it really has some emotions that stir with us when we bring up the word, when we bring up the word habit. A lot of times, it's not very positive, really, because what I look at, I, I think about the habits that I'm not doing and the habits I, I should stop doing. Uh, there's the healthy habits that I need to do, and I should be doing this. I need to, this is a be, I need to have a better habits in this, this area of my life. But also, I can look back and kind of like, oh, I've kind of developed some bad habits, some bad patterns in my life that are not good. And, and both sides kind of bring shame and regret and kind of almost a defeat, right? We, 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 we find ourselves in that place. So I want you to know, I'm with you in this process, is that the reality is, is that there is, there's something important about habits in our life that we have that I think we all want to have. And, and getting out of that because we are, you know, if you've heard probably this a ton of, ton of times, is that we're creatures of habit. In fact, a, a Duke study found that, that we don't, we do things when we realize we don't do it. In fact, four, Duke study said this, that 40% of the actions that we perform each day, we actually don't think about. So you think about maybe driving to church or how about on your daily commute, do you, can you mentally go back and like where you turn and where they, like, no, you just, it's automatic. The things that you do over and over just become, in fact, that's what a habit is. It's a, it's a routine or practice performed regularly as an automatic response to a specific situation. Again, the daily stuff, the morning routines, the drive to work, we do over and over again. Almost half of those things we don't even pay attention any longer. And that can be kind of good and it well, can also be bad in, in our life. I, I, I was thinking when we were heading off on vacation, taking our daughter to college, our, our sister, my sister-in-law gave us a ride to the airport. And I remember like we were just flying, getting off the ground. I'm like, did I shut the garage door? Because I was, usually I'm the one driving and push the button. I'm like, did I get out and shut the garage door manually? I don't know if I did. And I'm thinking, do I need to, you know, text my, my sister-in-law when we get on the ground? And then, then I forgot about it. And then throughout the week, I'm like, oh, I wonder if the garage, like, you know, days later, I wonder if the garage door is still open. I'm like, well, we have a safe neighborhood. Should I text my neighbor? And, and, you know, should I let him know? And then I forgot about it again. And then when I'm driving up in, in our driveway, I'm like, oh, I did shut the garage door. I did. I did a good job, you know. Uh, but then I realized with vacation, is as much as like I have, you know, you have good habits. I also found I get in kind of what I call, you know, what we call kind of vacation mode that like any kind of healthy things kind of go out the window. Somehow when I was down in the area, because I, I found that since we don't have Chick-fil-A up here, that somehow my car keep, kept going to Chick-fil-A every meal and I, down there. And I was like, what's going on? Well, I kind of got like, you know, it's vacation. I, I kind of deserve a break from whatever unhealthy, you know, healthy eating, unhealthy eating. And I, I found myself going, oh my gosh, it's so easy to get out of 
a good habit and quickly go into a bad habit, right? Now, some of you are like, bro, food is, if that's your only issue, I got a lot of issues of habits. And I'm with you on that as well. And I find ourselves kind of like the, you see the, the, the image there of the, the domino effect. Like one ha- bad habit can also affect other bad habits in what we're doing. And everything kind of affects one another. But we can kind of get in this vacation mode. I can find myself kind of like, it's like all or nothing. Like, oh, what the heck? You know, one more waffle fry isn't going to kill me at least, you know, quickly, okay? And, you know, so it's, it's, it's this patterns we find and we laugh about it, but then I find myself, oh my gosh, this is, this is not good because I can let go of the things that I should be doing and I'm not doing that, and or the things I shouldn't be doing, I, I need to stop doing. And again, we kind of get in this shame, you know, regret, you know, defeating kinds of things in our life. And I want you to know, as we do this three-week series, it, this is not, this is going to be a no shame zone, okay? The sign, you, if you're here in person, saw coming up the stairs of the service, it says, no perfect people allowed, okay? None of us are, none of us are going to be perfect at any of this, but yet there's some, something important about that we can live in denial, we can live and not deal with our, our lack of healthiness in our life, or the lack of even pursuing God's holiness. It does really matter, and habits have a lot to do with that. Now, I'm glad for God's word. It not only has a measure of a standard for us, but it also ha- it provides a way to get to what God desires for us. It's actually, a, it is a manual for us. It is a, a guide towards that. And one of the things that I, w- I love about scripture is when you read about what people write, it actually, it's relatable. You know, when you read through the book of Psalms and when you read about how King David was depressed and he's just feeling down and out and all that, you're going, oh man, times I feel that way. And in the New Testament, when you read about what the apostle Paul writes, which Paul, if next to Jesus, I mean, I think is probably, probably the greatest church leader in the first century. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament, these letters to the churches. Paul, this big hero, writes at times how he really feels. And it's so relatable. And one of the passages of scripture I find just like, oh my gosh, me too, is in Romans chapter seven. And when we read this, I want you to know, I hope this would put like everybody at ease going, man, if this guy's feeling this way, it's okay the fact at times that we feel this way. And here it is. You might've heard this before. It's so relatable. Paul writes this, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Relatable? Come on. There's this times like, why did I do this again? Stum stuff. These are, how did I get, how did, why am I in the drive-through line again here? I I want to do what is right, but I, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't, want to, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Come on, relate? Yeah, what's going on? How do we, like, what do we do about this? This is what Paul says, kind of like, why do we do this? He says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. And this is what he says, it's the sin living in me that does it. Now, Paul's not like, trying to, you know, weasel out of his own responsibilities, and nor is it being taken that way. He's just coming to the grips of his own humanity. 
He's coming in grips with the struggle that he has. And I tell you how relatable that is to us. And this is how he goes even further. He goes, you know, ultimately battling with sin. He says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Come on, we've been at the depths. We've been at those moments. And some of us say, yeah, I experienced that. In our life, and how did I get to where I'm at? And I tell you, it's so relatable. And this is what he says, but, but the answer, it's a begging question. How did I get there? How do, how, what do I do? How, how, why do I, how do I get free from this life of sin and death? He says this, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, thank God. It's Je- I love that. The, the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. And the answer is Jesus, and it's always Jesus. You know that, right? As a follower of Christ, I, I can tell you, the answer is always Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the answer. He's the one that died on the cross for our sins so we can be freed from sin. But the, but the issue is still is this. This is the big question. Why do we still struggle? Okay? Paul's saying, listen, he's saying all throughout, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, but here I am again, over and over and over, I find myself doing what I know I shouldn't do and doing things, I, in fact, I don't really want to do, but I keep doing it anyway. The, he's saying the answer is Jesus, but we don't want to miss this. As much as Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is, the, is our, to be our Savior, in fact, the, the biggest decision in your life, the most important decision in your life is to accept Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. That is the most important eternal thing you could ever do. But if we just stop there and we say, that's it, we're missing this life that Jesus has for us. Why is there a separation between I've accepted Jesus and I'm still struggling? And the answer is discipleship. See, Jesus Jesus said, repent and believe in him all through the gospels. What does he say next? Many times he says, come follow me. And that falls into the habit of being a disciple of Jesus, the ways of Jesus. And it's found in, well, I'll say the word discipline. In fact, the word discipline is baked into the word discipleship. Now, when we hear that, I don't want you to be scared by that or discouraged by that. Like somehow, well, you know what, I'm just not... I just really can't cut it to be a Jesus follower because there's just too many rules and there's too many things to follow. I, I'm just not that self-disciplined. I want you to hear this series has everything to do to fight against that somehow it's about being self-disciplined. If you think you can be self-disciplined in everything, guess what? Hardly anybody can actually do that. That's called religion. And nobody can live up to the standard perfectly. These last few weeks, I, and I found as I was reading through just books on habits and kind of looking at the science and the physiological aspects of habit-forming experiences in our life, what they found is people that were exercising healthy habits in life, they found this, it, they found this common denominator. It wasn't self-discipline that was making it work. You know what it was? Common denominator is they had a healthy system. They had a healthy plan to live out what they want to live out in a healthy steps toward that. And this morning, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some steps for us to take. Because 
it's good. It is good. You come back from vacation. You come back from, because you kind of like on vacation, you kind of like whatever happens. Like, you know, you just like eat whatever and, and swipe that credit card, whatever. And then you got to pay the price at the end, right? On many different ways. And I, I think it's good to have a reset. I think it's good. It's good to celebrate. And then it's good to have a reset and, and get moving again. And you, you have to deal with the reality of it. But I found this is that if I'm hitting a reset, say on my health, my healthiness, and I open up the pantry in my, in my kitchen and I realized that I could be a spokesperson for Frito-Lay. I'm in trouble, okay? Uh, that, the diet that I'm going to have is not going to be very successful. I need a new plan. I, I can't just go, I'm going to eat healthy and that's, I'm going to self-discipline. I need to be going to a system. I need to take some steps. And I think the fallacy you find in our Instagram click and ship it world is we still get it caught up in like, if I want to be healthy physically or emotionally or financially and I want to, I want to be holier and I want to follow Jesus further in my life. What we find is this, is that it's not just good efforts and great intentions are going to do it. No, there's something deeper than we need to do. I was, this book, I highly recommend, it's called Atomic Habits. The author talks about, his name is James Clear, and he talks about that something that's atomic is extremely small, and, it, to, and it's to a place that's irreducible, to, but it's a special part, it's an intricate part of a larger system. And the idea is this, is a little in the right direction means a lot. The little things you do in the right direction mean a lot. He calls it the 1% difference. He says little tiny improvements in our life that we do daily could actually help our lives completely. He says if you can make a, do something 1% daily, get 1% better at something, he said at the end of the year, you're going to be 37% better at whatever that is, okay? So if you're learning to play the guitar, and you're practicing every day, and you're getting 1% better, guess what? You're going to get really, you're going to get 37% better at the end of that 12 months. And I think a, another picture to look at kind of the trajectory of our life, just these little increment changes in our life, these atomic habits, it's kind of like, you probably heard this illustration before of a, of a, a pilot who sets his courses, and, you know, he's wanting to go from LA to New York, but is off like three degrees in the settings. What they find out after, you know, flying uh, continental, what you find is that he's going to end up in Washington, D.C., not New York. And it was only 3% off. And I think for our lives, we got to think about where we start and how we dial in on the little things is going to matter the trajectory of our lives. The little decisions we make today will make a big difference tomorrow. I think none of us wake up in the morning and go, or wake up in our day and go, how could I be living this life I'm living? Why am I with this person? Why am I doing this? How did I weigh this much? You know, why do I have this huge debt? None of us realize this. Well, we do. We, 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 we have that fallacy. How did I get to that place, that wake up moments? The reality was we've deceived ourselves. In fact, the Bible says this, we fool ourselves. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Think about this. Little things. Ralph Waldo Emerson, poet, where he, he wrote this. He says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap a destiny. Do you see the incremental steps that go with this? And, and kind of give you today's core truth. I want to leave you is this. 
Small things done over a long period of time create the greatest impact on our lives. Small things done over time, and a consistent time, create the greatest impact in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and, and you'll find this fleshed out in lots of different examples in our life. Well, and one of them, of course, is, is our health, right? As I mentioned before, trying to eat healthy again. And, and people, why are you big into that? Like, I actually want to live longer than my parents did, okay? So I just want it. I want longevity of quality and quantity of life. And so I'm working on that. Um, it's a good thing. But I realize, you know, eating, eating Fritos and eating pizza and watching Netflix all day is, at the end of the day, it's not healthy for me, not only physically, but emotionally, and what I, what I do with my life. But then I, I, I saw the statistic that if you exercise, exercise 25 minutes a day, doesn't have to be CrossFit, just take a walk, 25 minute walk, you actually end, end up adding seven years to your life, right? Physically, emotionally, that's so important. It's also in our relationships. You're going, how did I, how did I drift? How did I, you know, one of the warnings of empty nesting couples when their kids are raised, like, do we even know each other? And my wife and I, we've really dedicated ourselves. We still love each other and are in friendship with one another, but it takes work. If you, if you continue to just live your life this way, you're going to drift in such a way and go like, I don't even know this person any longer. But they found this, Christian couples stay together, pray together. They found if couples pray each day, that was one common denominator in every Christian couple of successful marriage. My wife and I, we try to practice that, not a long time each day, but we try to do that in our mornings before we start our day. Our spiritual growth, so important. You're going, I just don't feel God or I'm near God. We're, we're singing today and growing closer to the Lord and everything. I, got, I, don't, I don't feel the Lord right now. Well, who moved? You or God? God didn't go anywhere. But we can find ourselves drifting. We find ourselves, you know, occupying our mind and our heart in other areas of our life. It could be sinful things and, and things that we're thinking about. Or it could just be distracting things that are pull us away. We're going, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. Well, have you put anything into it? They found that if you read the Bible 15 minutes a day, and, you know, if you average about 150 words a minute, it's pretty fast, but 15 minutes a day, you'll end up reading through the whole Bible in a year. Now, I'm not saying you need to read through the whole Bible one year. I've, I've done that before. It's a great thing to do to say accomplished in that. But what are you getting out of the 15 minutes? The little things that you're doing each day to accomplish for bigger things, the bigger outcomes. And so to kind of help us here in the next couple of weeks, I just want us to start. Where do you start, right, in new habits? I think you've got to start small. You got to start small. You got these big plans, this big thing you're going to do. Start small and start, start today. And so I wanted to leave you kind of, I, I, hopefully these inspire you some, to, to build some strong, healthy habits. We're going to actually, next couple of weeks, talk about kind of even looking the DNA of a habit that we need to do and, and biblically looking what God wants for us and growing not only in healthy habits, but holy habits that we're going to do. But the first thing that just to, you can write down is this of small steps is this. Small steps no one sees results in big outcomes everybody wants. Small steps no one sees results in big outcomes everybody wants. Let's face it. You know, we look at different lives. You're like, wow, look at their life. Look how successful they're like, man, they got the perfect body or they got the big bank account or whatever it is out there. We live in this fallacy saying, man, they probably just, man, they just got good genes. And they, they might. There's the 1% people that they can eat whatever they want. And they look like whatever, right? You're just like, how did they do that? Uh, but the reality is the people that have money, the people that have become, quote, successful, you got to look at 99% of those people worked really hard, okay? Yeah, maybe they got their breaks in life and they, they made, some good, made some good choices, of course, but it is choices they made. And we just need to realize that shortcuts don't work. 
You and I have been burned many, many times by rich, you know, rich schemes, you know, get, get rich quick schemes and fad diets, whatever it is. We need to look at this, and this is why I heard this week, is that successful people do what is consistent, what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. A little matters each day. A little improvement each day. That 1% really can grow in our lives. And so doing it early and doing it often. And I find as I talk with people living their life, they do, they have a consistent pattern in their life. And you know what? Jesus models that as well. Not just being, quote, successful, but following the will of God. That's what matters the most. You think about Jesus. You think about the demands. In fact, Luke writes this way. He says, in Luke chapter 5, he says, the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness, okay? When you are known that you could heal people, a crowd is going to form. And the demands, if you think your life is demanding, whatever you're doing in life, whatever you got going on, imagine Jesus. And this is what it says in the demands of life. This is what it says. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often. Maybe every day. The Bible can reference the fact that Jesus would get alone in these places to pray. Now think about this. If the Savior, the perfect Son of God, the Savior of the world, needed a little time alone, don't we? You are not that important enough that everybody needs to be demanding of you. There's times when we need to get away to follow our Savior's model to do that in our lives, to take the time to do that. Jesus knew that success in the public life required discipline in the private life. Let me ask you this question. Where, when and where is your alone time? Where and when is where you're a place to be alone? Now, I, I found this is that 8 p.m. isn't going to do it for me. Usually 6 a.m. is. Some of you are like, I'm not a morning person. All I've read and all the lives I've studied and people success, I found that I don't know one, quote, successful person in my life that sleeps in. I've found that I have to get up early before, before the, the hustle and bustle of the day. And now I don't, you know, we are empty nesters. We don't have little children running around. And parents, if you're watching your hair, you're going, you have grandchildren. You know, there's a, there's a busyness that comes early morning sometimes. But I'm talking the distractions of the day. Before that phone goes off, before you're checking email or whatever you're doing, you're like, you know what? I'm going to spend time with God. Early and often I've learned in my life. When I get that off, I'm off. And I'm going, why am I so distant from the Lord? It's like, oh yeah, I got out of this pattern. I jumped in my day. I rushed through what I needed to do that's so important and not spend time with the Lord. So important. God blesses and gives favor, and there's no shortcuts in God's kingdom to grow in, in him. Uh, secondly, I would say this about small steps is small steps is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Small steps is choosing what you want now and what you want most. One of the things about life, you could call it, I don't know, life number one, lesson number 168, okay? Put numbers on the life lessons. Never go to the grocery store hungry. Are you with me on that? You will beeline to the Doritos so quickly compared to the organic Greek yogurt I should be eating, okay? 
We do that all the time and we fool ourselves. We sabotage our long-term health. I'm not just talking physically, relationally, spiritually for short-term sacrifice. We can compromise our morals. We can let go of relationships and and it can lead to to really addiction or life. And as I mentioned, self-discipline though is never enough. Like I'm just going to be more disciplined. The reality is this, it's not trying that's going to get us there. It really comes down to training. Getting in a training system that's so important. In fact, Paul talks about this. He references as a whole picture of the Olympics. We just had the Olympics this, this last summer. And the ancient Olympiad, it came from, you know, the Roman Greek culture. And he referenced this as having strong, strict training and a plan. He compares training for the Olympics like spiritual disciplines. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? And this is what he says. So run to win. Run to win. Now that seems almost obvious, right? Some of us like to run to run. I am not a run to run person. Like that just seems like tiring to do that. Some of you are runners and you love to run. And God bless you, you're gifted that way. I I try to find other forms of exercise. But even those who love to run, you have a goal in mind. You have a, there's a place that you want to get to in that. And, And he says, run to get the prize. The prize is a, is a, is a, back in the day was a crown of, of celery around your head. You know, somebody be able to get that? Is that someone's, yeah, somebody has a, thank you. Uh, they'll, they'll probably call again. You might want to. Um, and, and, and so the crown of celery, I don't know if you want to run for that. That's what you get. It was like 600 bucks or something was the prize back then. But I want to say, tell you, the prize to win, he says this, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win the prize. They will, will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. I don't know what you're running for in life, but I, as a follower of Jesus, I want to run on the eternal prize that heaven is something we're going to look forward to. Paul tells us this. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just doing it to do it. And I think there's a healthy exercise that people found that there's something, but we, we have goals in mind. And for as far as a Jesus, it's eternal. What we do matters for eternity. There's a lot at stake. And every decision you make, again, there will be a consequence to that today for the long term one day. He says this, I, I discipline my body like an athlete, train it to do what it should. Now, I'm not, I'd say, quote, an athlete, but I know I need to do things discipline on a daily basis because it's going to matter before. I floss my teeth every day. I'm not bragging about that, but I do that. You know why? Because I have to be accountable to my dentist six months. I'm on the, by the way, I'm in the six-month plan. They put me, I was supposed to be on the year, and they're like, Brody, a year's too long for you. We need you on a six-month hygiene plan with us. And I found that the little things matter a lot. And you're like, I got to be disciplined. Now flossing and add to the list. It's not adding to the list. It's the system of our life. And we'll talk more about this in weeks to come. But it's the little steps that we need to take. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete. Train where it should. Here's a question. What do you need to do now to have what you need, want most later? What is it today? I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about big plan. What is, what is next for you? The small things. But know this. Again, it's not just self-discipline is a key. 
It's not going to be good enough. He says, I'll put it this way. Small steps can only be sustainable through God's spirit. Small steps that you're taking. It's not just your effort, but it's God's spirit with you. You know, Jesus modeled to us of of living a disciplined life, but he he also promises us that he'd be with us. In in Acts 1.8, when he's going to be ascended to heaven, he says, I'm leaving you, but I'm not going to forsake you. He says this, for, for in Acts 1a, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the rest of the parts of the earth. What is he saying? I got this great mission for you to live. I got you this life of purpose. I want you to live. But you don't have to do it alone. I have, my very spirit is in you to help you to be sustainable in your life. I want to help you. Can I tell you, the Lord's will is for you to be healthier and for you to be wholer and, I, and as well as holier in him with his help to do it, not our own power. But here's the other thing. It's not just you and Jesus to do it alone because I think that's kind of a fallacy out there. It's like, all I need is, I, I, somebody has, maybe you have the shirt or your coffee mug says, I, I need a whole lot of Jesus and a little bit of coffee each day, which I'm for, okay? I'm for both those things, but I'm not to do it alone and you're not to do it alone. Finally, know this, small steps is choosing to join a small circle. We are not, Christianity is not a solo sport. It's a team effort that we have. And it's good to come in, in somewhat of a crowd we have here, to come and be a part of a service or watch online and stay connected that way. But it's a crowd is moving to more of a community that we all really need in our life. Paul says this way in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I like to say it this way. You're not only welcome to the body of Christ, but you're wanted. You're wanted. You have gifts, and I have gifts, and our gifts are to be encouragement to one another, to serve the Lord in, in gifts and in, in abilities you have. And it might be within the church. By the way, hey, we could use, if you could play the drums or some instruments, we'd be, that would be helpful in the season we're in. But I want you to know, it's not just the gifts that you have to serve the church that you're needed. It's not just your funds that you're gifted and giving to give. It's not just what you give, it's who you are. When you're not a part of the body of Christ, I wonder, if, oh, is anybody gonna miss me? I don't really, like, I don't really, I'm not really doing anything right now in the church. I mean, no one's gonna, they found somebody to fill my slot or whatever I'm doing. Guess what? It's not about filling the job that you have to do in the church or in the community. You are missing. It's who you are. You matter. Your, your, your personality, your, your image, bearing the image of God is so important in the body of Christ. It's who you are that matters. Chris actually, uh, in, in worship, read a scripture that I have here. I think it's just the matching of it for us, a theme for us today. It's this, it says in Hebrews again, let us consider how we might spur one another toward love and good deeds. And it says this, not giving up meaning together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now what's the day approaching? It's Christ coming back. And if I ever heard anything in the last 18, 19 months, it's, it's Jesus coming back soon? It's starting to feel like that. Now it could be another thousand years because we're not in charge of the timeline, God is. But until that day's coming, what do we do? Oh, we should isolate ourselves and not be connected to anybody. Wow, we've kind of learned that's not healthy to do. In fact, this is kind of gross, but you'll remember it. If your arm got cut off, guess what? You probably could survive if you got a tourniquet, tourniquet but that arm's gonna die. And that's disgusting to think about. 
but it's not going to make it. I've seen it over and over. People cut themselves off, and they, and again, I am all for health safety. I'm all for what we're doing and trying to, for the health and safety of people. Like I said, I navigated a lot of COVID uh, conversations yesterday when people are going, it's a, it's a real deal. Let's not, let's not make that up. It really is. However, though, some people have made COVID an excuse not to be in relationship with anybody. Some people have pulled themselves away out of the body of Christ, whether it's, you know, you can still do things virtual. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about groups here in a moment. We're going to do online groups where there's a way to stay connected in relationship. If you don't, you're, you're like cutting your arm off and it's, you're going to die. And I've been involved in church life 35 years. And every single time, that people that I know, people that I'm in a relationship with, and it's not that he just went to another church, another fellowship. When they cut themselves off from the body of Christ, they died spiritually. In fact, I know people that I don't think they would call themselves even a Christian today, but they were the very ones that encouraged me to be involved in the church. What does that say? It can happen to me and it can happen to you. If you're online watching, we want you connected you know, how we can do it. Let's work on how we can stay connected together in that. And so we're having to evaluate that even in our services and the modest attendance and things, the behaviors of people have changed. We're having to evaluate what's best for us as a church, all because of all that's happening. Let's not forsake the gathering. Let's not get out of the habit of doing that. A little of you matters a lot to all of us. I want to tell you this is the way we talk about habits and introducing these for the entire season we're in. We're going to be focusing on three habits here at Christ the King North Bay. And they all start with a B. In fact, there'll be a banner up in this next couple of weeks. It's belonging, believing, and becoming. And we're actually going to wrap habits and practices, oh, practices around each of these habits. And today, the one I want to leave us with is the habit of belonging. The habit of belonging, and it fits in with being in a circle in our lives. These habits that we have. Now, before we get to the belonging, these, each of these belonging, believing, becoming answer three questions that I think we all ask ourselves in life. If I was going to write a book, these would be the three questions I would write about because I find it's a pattern in everybody's life. Whether you're 16 or 60 years old, you find yourselves asking these questions. The first question is, where do I fit? in the community. You remember at the lunch table when you showed up at school and you, you, had, you, went to, you went to lunch and you realized that all your friends went to the other lunch, the other, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got to find a place to fit in. Well, I said at six years old in a retirement community, I, I'm in a new community. Maybe you're new to the community here. Like, where do I find people that I can relate with? The need to belong. We also ask this question, who am I? We can ask that you know, as a, as a teenager looking to what I'm going to do with my life, we can ask it as an empty nester now. What am I going to do with my life now when my kids are raised? We ask it over and over. What we believe matters so much. And then why am I here? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What am I going to do with my life? The need to become. And, and so that's something we'll be talking about. But the habit of belonging, this week's spiritual practice, is to begin with the habit of belonging. We try to say over and over as a church that we are not a behave first church. I'm glad for that sign. You come up the stairs. No perfect people allowed. In fact, if you're watching online, the same thing I can tell you. No perfect people are allowed to be here. And what we mean by that is if you think you got it together, I don't think you're going to fit in here. Because we're realizing, just like Paul expressed, I don't know why I do what I do. I keep doing. There's a process of becoming Christ-like. There's a, there's a steps we take. So we want to be a belong first church. That no matter who you are, no matter your background, and no matter what you believe yet, 
We want to accept you for who you are. You are a child of God. You're an image, you're an image of the creator of the universe. And that matters so much. Jesus says his prerequisite was this, nothing. Just come follow him. He didn't say, you gotta get your life together. You better do these things. You better dress this way. You better act this way. You better get it together before you can know. He said, come follow me. We say discipleship at North Bay is this. It's incremental movements of heart, soul, mind, and strength toward Christ-likeness. Listen, we're all work in progress, right? Or we can say we're a piece of work, right? We are, at, God is at work in our lives and he's doing it step by step, incremental like incremental. And the way we do that, and you'll hear more about here in the next couple of weeks, is small groups. It's the circle that matters the most the accountability, the, 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 the relationships with one another, to hold each other to that and to encourage one another. When I am discouraged, what I look back is that I've, I've isolated myself. I'm encouraged the most. And you're like, I'm not a people person. I tell you, there needs to be people in your life because those are the people that help you encourage you. Positive people, Christ-centered community is our habitat that we so intentionally have to work for. So in the next few weeks, begin to think about, say, God, where, where do I get involved? What is a habit I can take of, of a sense of belonging to do that? And we're going to help you do that here in the next few weeks. But I'm going to invite Chris and Jane to come as we wrap up. I want to go back and make it personal as we get kind of, and, and kind of a reset for us. And, and not just here in the next few weeks, but the trajectory of our life. Where do we start matters to where we end up. And I want to just leave you with this one question is this. What is one small step you can commit to, to take today that will make a big impact one day? What is the one thing you can do today? What is that? What is that? Is it a healthy physical thing you could do? Is it a healthy relationship step? And I think most importantly, it's the spiritual step. What will you do today? I'm like, oh, wow, I think I will read my Bible 15 minutes a day. Do that. Start with that. And we'll talk about sustainability and how we can kind of get in a system of, of habits in our life. But p- figure out what that might be. You're like, I really want this day. And I know some of us think with regret. In fact, it's you just like, oh, I've did this before, Dan. I did this before. I tell you, we have to continue to fall at the, at the cross of Jesus every single time. Every single Sunday, we come and surrender, don't we? We, we let go of our old life and everything we're doing. And I could have done better. Yeah, we all could have done better. And we surrender back and saying, okay, Lord, here I am again. Once again, at your feet, Lord, I surrender it all to you. Jesus, help me. I want to take this significant step. In fact, if you're watching in, in the most significant step, which is Paul says, I don't know why I do, I keep on doing it. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jesus, you're the answer. If you not receive Jesus, that's the first thing to do. Before you're going to live a life that he has in, in, in discipline of discipleship, is first allowing the spirit of God through Christ to live in you. Invite him to do that if you haven't done that today. And anyone here in this room can do that. But will you pray with me? We bow as we as we close here today. God, we just thank you for this opportunity, the one little step that we can take. And I'm reminded, Lord, it's not only the one little step that we'll take for the healthier and wholer and holier life that we can live, but the impact that we make, Lord, not only our lives, our lives will affect other lives. There's a lot at stake. You said not just to run to run and just to do what we do. There's a goal in mind. It's eternal goal. 
not only for our eternity, but for the lives of the people of example around us. Jesus, thank you for the model that you had of getting away in a, a, a alone, alone time, Lord. Getting away and, and establishing a habit daily to be with you, with the Father. Lord, may we do the same. And we spend time with you each and every day. May it be a small incremental step we do in our relationships. If we're married and with our spouse, if we're, we're single, we might have a friend that we spend time with that's an encouragement. Lord, if we, we're, we're parents of, of children or grandchildren, Lord, those little investments that we can make over time, Lord, that we can take. What is that one small step that can lead to the next step, to the next step that we see the impact they're going to have in our lives? May we not give up on the small beginnings of life that you have for us. As we commit ourselves once again, not in our own power, not in our own self-discipline, but we lay ourselves again at the foot of the cross and surrender ourselves. Say, Lord, your spirit is what sustains us each and every step that we take. And we find what matters the most is that you are glorified and that you will show your success through our lives, not our own, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand as we close here today. And as we stand up, I wanted to share one little, one more thing with you that I forgot to mention. I think it's worth sharing is one little life makes a difference. This last week at our go camp with our students say, great. I just appreciate all our leaders and everybody that served on a camp. But this is what one parent wrote on our Facebook page, knowing that we're, our investment we're making makes a difference. She says, you know, your kids live their best lives at church camp when they passed out at 9.15 in the evening on their own. They, they both had an amazing time. I heard hours of how much fun they had connecting more to God and to their friends. I am so thankful that they had a blast. And I'm even more thankful for our church family, which is us, for creating these events. It really is a blessing. I spent years caring for teens in youth camps in youth groups, and it comes full circle to see that love being poured out in my own kids. And that's, a, that's appreciation for our youth leaders that will be serving this fall in United. It's appreciation for any of you that given in scholarships and donations and things are doing. But I love this mom. It came full circle. Can I tell you the investment we make today in the lives, it's gonna matter tomorrow. And we get the benefit from others that have invested in us. I encourage you to do that. This week, the one little encouragement you make, that one little note, that one little step toward kindness towards somebody, the, the one little prayer, you think it's just a little prayer, it makes a difference. And let's keep doing it. Small steps that we can take will make a big difference. And as we sing this song to the Lord, I encourage you, take that commitment you're making. Lord, I'm just making a small step. Help me to do that as we pray. And if you need any help and encouragement, we love Matt's back there. I'm up here in front. La ladies, we can, there's ladies to pray with you today. Let us know to do that. Have a great day. Let's sing together.
brings me peace I'm so forgetful that you always remind me you're the only one who brings me peace sing that again you're the only one who brings me peace so I come Lord I come so I come Lord I come tell you I love tell you I need you to tell you there's no better place for me than in your arms to tell you I'm sorry for running in circles for placing my focus on the waves not on your face so the only one who brings me peace you're the only one you're the only one who brings me peace I'm so forgetful so forgetful but you always remind me you're the only one who brings me But you always remind me You're the only one who brings me peace You're the only one You're the only one who brings me peace So I come Lord, I come So I tell you I love you, to tell you I need you, to tell you there's no better place for me than in your arms, oh, to tell you I'm sorry, Jesus, for running in circles, placing my focus on the waves, not on your tell you I love you, oh, to tell you I need you, Jesus, there's no better place for me than in your arms, to tell you I'm sorry, for running in circles, for placing my focus on the waves, not on your the peace bringer. 
because you're the only one. You're the only one that can calm the storms inside of us. God, you're the only one that can satiate the doubts. You're the only one that can prove to us that you are who you say you are. There's nobody else that can do it for you. So God, we want to go to the source this morning. We want to come to the throne this morning. We want to sit at your feet. And we want to just soak in everything that you have to give us. So I come. Let's sing this out. Let's sing it. Lord, I come. So I come to you. Lord, I come. So I come. We make it our prayer. Oh, I come. So I Come this morning, Lord, I come. So I come, oh Jesus, oh I come to you. Oh, I'm on bended knee, oh I'm surrendered to you. Lord, I come to tell you I love you. Oh, to tell you I need you. Yes, God. For me than in your arms. I'm sorry, sorry, Lord, for running in circles. Placing my focus on the waves, not on your face. To tell you I love you, to tell you I need you, to tell you there's no better place. foundation on the rock that never moves, that never falters. As we build healthy habits over the next three weeks together, God, can one of those habits just be to encourage one another in prayer and to be bold enough to reach out for prayer when we need it? God, there's just so much health in surrendering to you and just allowing you to do the work that you want to do in us, to shape us into who and what you want us to be. God, there's nothing better for us in life than what you have already promised us. So we just say yes this morning collectively. As a church family, we say yes to you, God. We say yes. 
come to you surrendered. And we leave here surrendered. May we live our weeks surrendered. May we find time with you surrendered. May we pray together surrendered. May it be all about you, God. We thank you for all of this. We pray it all in your son's name. Everybody said amen. Church, I do just want to encourage you if there's if there's something that struck a chord with you this morning, not to leave this place without getting prayer because we do want to partner with you. We are here for you. We're here with you to fight your battles with you alongside the Lord. I just want to thank you for being here this morning. Don't forget to drop off your connection points. We want to get to know you. We'll see you again next week. Stay safe, stay warm.